Do you want to do more to make impact? How we serve others and our world is how we pay our rent for being here. So get ready to learn how you can make a difference by simply choosing to live and lead with a socially conscious mindset. In this episode of Passion for Impact, I get to have a candid conversation with the incredibly inspiring Melissa. She's the CEO of Yulu Public Relations, a social impact communications agency. She is also the founder and executive director of the Global Impact Relations Network, a nonprofit organization aimed at educating communicators how to drive positive change through responsible, purpose-led communication strategies. I don't know where she gets all her energy. She is a dynamo, ready to be inspired, Ready to learn how you too can leverage your story and more effectively communicate your cause? I am. Let's do it. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Be sure to subscribe to receive links to featured companies, people, and offers. To subscribe, very simple, go to www.passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast. Okay, I am impact geeking out today and cannot wait to have this conversation. Melissa Orozco, CEO of Yulu Public Relations, has a passion for scaling impactful, authentic communications and PR practices. She's on the show. She is driven by the innate belief that we can build a socially responsible world and powerful communications can help shape this future. I'm excited to share how both Yulu and her nonprofit, the Global Impact Relations Network, have been using stories as a force for good. So Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm just so excited to have you here because I feel like there's so much in your story and of course what you do professionally that you can share and I'm I'm going to be dr- just driving so many questions at you. I hope that's okay. All right, give them to me. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So from your website, it yeah. says a revolution is happening at the junction of creativity commerce, and social consciousness. Yulu isn't watching it happen from the sidelines. Together with your client partners, you are leading it. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's love pretty it. powerful when I hear it read back to me. <laughs> it gives you chills. Like, so to, um, for everyone listening, tell them what is Yulu? And then we're going to get into your story, but to, to give a bit of context, what is Yulu? Sure, sure. Uh, Yulu is a strategic communications impact relations agency. I'll go into impact relations in, the, in a sec, but um, we are a, uh, we're just about a decade old. We are certified B Corp, pending benefit corp. And um, we're a communications agency that also does uh, strategic impact counsel for organizations that are looking to step into the impact and purpose space and want to do it authentically. There's a lot of fear with brands doing it because there's a culture of calling brands out rather than calling brands in. And we definitely believe in calling brands in. So we, we work with organizations and we help them identify what they can stand for, what makes sense for them to stand for, uh, how they can do it authentically, how we can implement it internally in the company and make sure that the CEO believes in the mission, the team understands it, they're executing it. And that they're fully showing the impact that they're having before we start communicating and amplifying that impact. Because otherwise, it just feels like a PR campaign. So we want to make sure that we're really implementing it properly. So that's what a portion of the 
the work that we do is. What else are what else are we? We are we're pretty international in scope. We're headquartered in Vancouver with a satellite in New York, and um, and I think we are. 80% international from Vancouver. So I'm American by birth, Canadian by choice. Uh, have a passport in both countries now, fortunately, which is great. Um, and everybody, about 80% of my team is from either Ireland, London, Scotland, um, US, uh, UK. We're, we're from all over the place. So what we found in terms of success of building our team is Vancouver is known for a lot of things. The outdoors, environmental stewardship, greenest city, expensive real estate. It is not known for communications and public relations hub. It's, it's not a, um, a hot spot for that. So we've, we've found success in building out our, our headquarter team by finding expats as they're on their way in because they're coming from global agencies and have global experience. Does that, does that give you a good Oh man, yeah, it's it's a great it gives context to all the work that you do. You've worked with brands like Audible, Aldo, Red Bull, B Lab, GoFundMe, many more, which are listed on your website. What is your website so people can check that out? It's yulupr.com. So y-u-l-u-p-r.com. Where did Yulu come from? Yulu is a soft translation to the journey of words. So in Mandarin, Yu means to speak, and Lu is a road. And um, yeah, and some creative friends that I was working with. In the early days of Yulu, they came up with it, and it was, it was awesome. One of the things that um, a marketing professor said when I was in university, is college for American listeners, was uh, you when you're naming a company, when you're naming a brand, you want it to be fun to say. And so the, the examples given was like Google, Yahoo, iPod, like things that have a, a fun cadence when you say it, and and people really like the name Yulu. <laughs> they don't forget it. They hear it. They can say it. And I really like that it's not my name or uh, something about what we do. It, it just It's just a word that is related to our field, the journey of words, and um, it's a fun word to say. I love the meaning behind it. And you know how I found it was I am often on BeWork. It's an mm-hmm. uh, online platform for opportunities for yeah b corporations and so that's how i saw your i think you posted about uh, an opportunity or career or something oh, and i was like yulu i love it and the funny thing is it did stick i forget everything i can't remember what i did 20 minutes ago but i remembered your name to be able to search it and, and kind of like stalk you before i asked you to be on the show <laughs> yeah it's it, I, I don't know if it's because the impact community is still relatively small though it is getting bigger or it's just a catchy name, but when we talk to people, whatever it goes somewhere, they're like, oh yeah, you, Lou, we've heard of you guys. Okay, is it the name or is it our amazing reputation? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's definitely both, right? Definitely the latter. <laughs> Yulu's social mandate is to only work with organizations that are driving positive change, which means that you turn away 80%, 80% of new business opportunities that come to the door. Now, this is something you're proud of. You're not going to change anytime soon. But as an entrepreneur, you know, as a trainer that works with many companies in, in growth phases mm-hmm. from start to, you know, close all different stages, like that's a hard thing to do. Like, how, how did you get to that place and how do you maintain that level of integrity in the work that you want to do? So getting to that place. So getting to that place, ASL, remind me to come back to this in case I lose. Uh, I'm just going to make a note. Um, <laughs> 80% because there's a, there's a bit of a story getting to that place. When we founded the company, when I founded the company, I made my first hire. 
Ashley Lutz. And she is, um, she's longest hire. She's with, uh, she's with us still on a contract position. She's the editor of the newsletter, the agenda for impact relations, a nonprofit that we, that came out of you later. She and I were sitting in our, uh, then Granville Island boathouse studio office and looking at our client roster, which was about six clients and three of them were nonprofits and three of them were, uh, were for profits like real estate developer, a gym and a supplement company. And then the three nonprofits was the Vancouver farmers market and fuck cancer and the Canadian cancer society. We were doing work for it then too. And, um, we, we were looking at our client roster and we're like, Hey, half of our portfolio is cause-based. That's really cool. We should maintain that. So to hold ourselves accountable, we added it to our website. And then when companies would inquire about our services, they would mention it and they'd be like, oh, okay, well, which, which side would we land on? And we noticed that they had a desire to sit, to be on the, the for benefit side. So that was one just thought that we had and put in our back pocket and thought about how can we get more of that excitement later. But the, the other thing was, well, building these strategies for the nonprofits and seeing all of the great exposure that we were able to get them because they were doing great things. We started borrowing some best practices from those campaigns and strategies and applying them to our for-profit clients. And, you know, it's not revolutionary for a for-profit company to cut a check and make a donation. But what we wanted to do was help them create some system change, make more diverse hiring decisions, open up their hiring to formerly incarcerated people. Uh, so we, we were pushing the envelope a little bit in terms of how could they have an impact besides just sending money to them. Mm. And they they appreciate the consultancy and they were giving us feedback that it was one of the greatest value contributions that we were giving to them because we were helping them um, show up stronger for their, for their team. Uh, their teams were suddenly more proud to work there. They just felt like they had a bit more purpose and they were excited by that. And they were giving us feedback also. Meanwhile, the company is growing. So we're not no longer just six clients and two people. We're doubling that, tripling that. And as we go, clients are starting to year over year give us feedback that, um, that we're not a PR agency. They're saying, you know, what you're doing isn't PR. You're, you're giving us a lot of consultancy on, on different areas. And we, we appreciate that feedback. In our third year, I am going to get to the why we turn away 80% of, of our uh, inbound leads. In our third year, we became a B Corp. And um, this is an impact podcast, but just I'm just going to pretend that not everybody knows what a B Corp is. So a B Corp is a certifying body that certifies businesses that want to use their business as a catalyst for positive change. And I think there was maybe 1,600 B Corps at the time, and it's, you know, doubling and it's quite large now. So the B Corps that people would know about is Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, Etsy, those local to Vancouver, Hoot Suite, Yulu, of course. Um, so we became a B Corp. And when we became a B Corp, we said, okay, no more of the 50-50. Let's have 100% of our portfolio be dedicated, our client portfolio be dedicated to impact to some degree. Let's at least make sure that our clients that are grandfathered in, whether it's a gym, and gyms can, you know, if you wanted to stretch it as communications agencies will tend to, you could say that a gym is having impact because they're helping people reach their fitness goals, which is absolutely fair. Um, but we wanted to help companies have more impact than that. So we 
buckle down and agreed to 100% impact. Even if companies aren't coming in and they aren't, and they are not a social enterprise, they're not a nonprofit. That's actually where we can make the biggest impact. If a company is coming to us and they're saying, hey, we want to get into this space, we want to do this, and we're not going to say, oh, well, you're a fashion brand and there are so many issues in the fashion industry that we wouldn't consider you for a second unless you're you know, a locally made uh, organic cotton. But we don't want to not make room for organizations that have that desire to do it. So we will, as I mentioned earlier, rather than calling out, we'll call them in, we'll show them how to do so. That is a gray area that uh, a lot of skeptics have questioned in the past saying, well, how is, you know, this consumer brand on your team? How is this a Yulu plant? So people will ask us sometimes, funny you ask what they're doing with community, uh, you know, development and with inclusive hiring. It's it's really cool, the work that we're doing right now. And so it, it doesn't have to be a social enterprise or a nonprofit. Why we still end up turning away 80% 80% of the business that comes our way is because we, we can snip out the difference between an authentic hunger and, and desire and just curiosity on how to be better and perform better versus seeing that there's a lot of buzz and hype around impact and, and purpose these days and wanting to jump on the bandwagon. And, and once you look under the hood, you can you know, you see that uh, turnover is high and you, you can find tells or clues that an organization might want to appear that they're authentic and responsible and transparent. We have a bit of a process to, to we interview our clients probably just as much as they interview us. That said, when those 80%, sometimes it's just an influencer looking to promote their bikini line and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just not a fit. That would be probably 60% of the 80% that we turn away. Twenty. And so it's just like, oh, we're a restaurant or we're a car company and we're coming out with a new this. And it's it's just not a fit. We're a hotel line. They're doing nothing impactful. Okay. They're they're projects that are pretty cool. And, And so we have some great relationships with other agencies. We refer the business over. We need to keep this referral network economical. So we have a, they give us a thank you fee and we send it on its way. For the other 20% though, that that's the gray area where they're, they're saying that they want to have that impact. We will, we'll do a discovery process and we'll, we'll leave them with some insights on how they can get prepared to, to properly do it. Sometimes it's your working conditions aren't what they should be for a company that's wanting to step into the impact space, you really need to make sure that you're taking care of your own first. You're saying that you want to do a campaign on mental health, but you don't have mental health benefits for your employees. So we will we'll provide them with some feedback and let them know that if these are things that they want to tackle now or later, we'd be happy to keep the conversation going. But these are things that we'd want to see in place, go through this process fully. And we just want to make sure that that is within, within their scope of comfort. <laughs> Right. Wow. I mean, I think that's it's a powerful place to come from. And you're helping to, like you say, lead that revolution, that junction of creativity, commerce, and social consciousness. So good for you guys. And I'm, I can only imagine that it's not always easy to give business away, and, but, um, but you're doing it. I have to ask the question that everyone's probably thinking. So how do you actually do it? How do you actually say, <laughs> you know what, we're not, we can't, I know you're offering them advice and whatnot to keep the conversation going if they want to move in that direction. But um, for those people who are trying to be a little bit more specific on the types of clients they attract and engage with, 
what is your tips for managing that? Yeah, we're very considerate about a conversation because at the end of the day, what is successful is if companies leave feeling good and inspired to go and make some tweaks to their internal operations or just to their overall approach and they're inspired to come back and try it again. We don't want to set this divide of the the impact community and the old school traditional business, you know, fossils. We we definitely don't want to have that that them leaving with that. So um depending on what it is, I'm trying to think of an example. One that was just really easy and it's kind of nice sometimes when the company is just like, oh no, we're we're not looking for that. We really just want to launch this hotel in Miami. And uh, we've got this DJ coming in and we've got um, these cabana beds and it's going to be really, really cool. I'm like, you're right. That sounds great. I'd, I'd like to come to the launch party. Not really the best use of our team. We specialize, we're industry agnostic, but we really specialize on helping organizations understand how they can use their platform and influence to create stronger industry standards. So if your objective is to simply launch this new hotel and and there's zero interest in uh, using the hotel to demonstrate how you can improve environmental stewardship or whatever it might be, working conditions, and we'll give them some tests of how they could do it. And if, they, if they're really honest about saying, no, we just really want to, we just really want to launch this. We have this DJ coming in. Like, okay, that sounds great. Not a fit for us. We have an agency that is probably perfect. Would you like a recommendation or do you have other agencies that you're already talking to? And it's kind of 50 50. They might want a recommendation or they might not. Usually, if a company is coming to us to launch a consumer product or a non impact related endeavor initiative company, they know who we are. Like, we're headquartered in Vancouver. We have a small presence in New York. It would be odd for somebody to land on our page and to to hear our name if they weren't looking for impact. That said, if they're looking for impact, a lot of companies come to us. We've got we've got a strong presence in this space. So that's great. So it's it's not too too common, but like I said, it's it's daily, I guess. But some of them are just also maybe might be I'm trying to think of another one that's recent. Other things that we wouldn't just say yes to every company that does have a cause. So if it's a recyclable totes, uh, tote bag company, and that's awesome. That's great. It might be a, a solopreneur with a small budget and, and we wouldn't be able to take it on because the budget's too small. We have lots of resources for that because within the B Corp community and within the impact relations community, we work with a lot of contractors. And so those ones are happily distributed to, to our network. I'd say that's probably the majority of our... Uh, so ref- referrals are a, a really great way of being able to manage some of that, moving them referrals, recommendations, moving them to other places they want. Yeah. You've been recognized by B-Lab with the honorary agency title of Best of best for the world change maker. I mean, oh my gosh, it must feel so good to get that kind of, um, re- you know, right. honorary titles and just, just that kind of esteem. So you've come all this way, but I want to know, I want to move backwards a little bit. Let's, let's kind of deconstruct the story of Melissa. How did this happen? How, where did, how did you get into the space and maybe share a little bit about your, your path so others can get some inspiration from, from where, where, you, where you've been and how you've gotten to where you are now? 
Sure. Um, well, so I, I started talking about our clients sort of encouraging us that what we were doing did not feel like PR. And, um, and we also felt like what we were doing did not feel like PR. And so in our third year, when we became a B Corp, we started chatting with some other B Corps and we asked them, do you also have this identity crisis where PR is really got a bad rep and we have a no spin policy. Do you have a no spin policy? Oh, you do. Okay. Uh, oh, you do too. And so we were realizing that, that it was actually a lot more common than we realized. And we formed a bit of a planning committee with some fellow B Corps to figure out what to call our industry. And we were inspired by impact investing coming out of the investment banking industry and seeing how that became its own thing. Uh, so that is kind of how impact relations was formed. We troubleshoot or focus group some names. We just spoke to about 90 different agencies that was doing this kind of work. But when you ask how did I personally get into it, we, we use this term around the office sometimes, less so lately, but um, the sexy story. So in our space, especially in the early days before we were able to understand how to more efficiently decipher the companies that were really looking to make a change versus um, the companies that were doing it for a bit of splash, we started seeing this pattern in the CEO story and I call it the sexy story. So CEO works at a high powered uh, investment banking firm or whatever it might be, um, gets burnt out, goes to Sri Lanka, discovers meditation, comes back and starts a social enterprise. That does not happen for everybody. That is not the standard story. That's the sexy story. And then they, they talk about how they created this Millshare program and it's going global and they've got all these venture capitalist investors and blah, blah, blah. They've got this framework. And for a lot of people, and I, and I want people to know this, you don't have to have this sexy story. For Yulu, it was a very unsexy story. We had 50, we were a small agency. We we had smaller clients and, and sometimes that means more small nonprofits, and then you have some for profits, and and so we were a little afraid to go more impact because of that theory, or I'm going to call it a myth because I don't believe it that the impact space is is less lucrative. So we were like, okay, are we going to be, are we going to be okay to make ends meet? That was never that as much as that thought came into our mind, it left it, and it never really came back. Our 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 for profit and for benefit company company clients have always pretty much been the same. I, I'm not saying that that's the way it always is, but you're going to find some for-profit businesses that also have low budgets. In any case, back to the unsexy story, sexy story. We essentially just started building this and we did not have an aha moment. It was a gradual thing. We became over time good at working and consulting nonprofits and social enterprises. And we, over time, started applying that that knowledge to our for-profit clients, they saw value. And, you know, one thing that this is going to date me a little bit that really influenced the path was reading Good to Great by Jim Collins. And everybody in my company hears me talk about Good to Great all the time because I talk about Hedgehog, the Hedgehog. Good to Great was given to me my first year out of college when I was living in New York by my first boss. And it sat on my shelf for five years or so because good to great is not a um a great book for new professionals it is a good book for new business owners it's a fantastic book for new business owners 
And do you know the model? Do you know Do you know about Good to Great? <laughs> no, I have not read the book, but I wrote it down just now. I'm going to have to get it. Listen to it on Audible. Yes, yes, please do. So he uses the analogy of uh, a corporate hedgehog or your hedgehog. And in order for a company to go to Good to Great, they need to have this hedgehog model. And the reason why he uses the analogy of a hedgehog is because a hedgehog is resilient despite its size, despite its environment. If it's, you know, if it's alone and it doesn't have a pack and it's, it's up against an animal that's five times its size, it has a defense. It knows what it's best at, you know, and so it has an ability. And so when Jim Collins is talking about your corporate hedgehog, in order to have that, your model needs to have three things. It needs to be best in the world, passionate and economic engine. So when it's saying best in the world, that, that was kind of where we started to hone in on what can we be best in the world at. So, yep, deeply passionate about something. What's your economic engine best in the world at? Okay, I'm very, very excited that I... I'm super impressed because, <laughs> again, <laughs> I don't remember much. <laughs> well, so in order to to have this hedgehog concept and the strategy from going to good to great, those three things you need to have. And so I was really inspired by this book. They use some examples that are definitely not Yulu clients, Philip Morris, tobacco company. They talk about how that company went from good to great. They talk about how, uh, was it Kimberly Clark, the, the name that you see every time you go to a public washroom and the toilet paper dispenser. Um, the, the companies that they profile are not exciting companies. They really should come out with a new edition of it. But the, the stories behind it are, um, they figured out what they could be best at the world at. They figured out what they're passionate about. And they figured out the economic engine. Now, when you're a small communications public relations shop and you're thinking, is there any way that we could be best in the world at PR when we are a five-man team and small office in Gastown? And how would that how would that work? And so it's just about really narrowing your focus and just being a specialist. And there's so many books on being a specialist and you can take any any avenue. I think Good to Great wasn't necessarily about that, but that's what I took from it. So when, I think this was about year four after we became a B Corp, we had one of our annual goal setting sessions and we just said, what can we be the best in the world at? We're really passionate about the impact. We have committed to not doing anything else, but how can we be the best at it? And we were thinking, well, we're collaborating with our competitors. We're talking to other B Corps. We're trying to create Instagram, well, that that is how you at least lead the space. You got to put your business second, and you got to put the mission first. And so, our whole purpose behind creating impact relations is to collaborate with our competitors to improve the industry standards. We want to make ethical, mandated standards for communicators to abide to. That way, you know, a lot of industries they have regulations. Uh, if you think about you're in law and you do something that can violate, you'll get kicked out of the, um, you won't be able to take your bar. You'll get kicked out of it. If you, if you uh, step out in medical, if you step out in accounting, there's regulations. And in the communications industry, you can perform as unethical as you want. And there are no regulations saying that you can't continue doing it. And so what we are looking to, to do in time with impact relations is first set some some standards for how companies should uh, communicate, how communicators, um, we, and we have a pledge. Um, long-term vision is to turn that pledge into a regulation. Hmm. And we'll see where that goes. Government relations does have, does have regulations. It's the only 
uh, and investor relations does. But if you speak about public relations, you can you can really perform in any which way and you'll always be able to still do it. I mean, your reputation will be tarnished, but you'll still be able to do your work as usual. Um, so we're, we're looking to create um, some standards that aspire people and organizations to communicate with more authenticity, transparency, and stewardship. Wow. So you're really a change maker, not only in the industry, but for the industry, which is at an even d- different level. So that's very inspiring because that takes extra work. It's not something you have to do to make money in business, but but you're doing that kind of work. And that's all through the Global Impact Relations Network. That's Is that right? Yeah. And we started about four years ago, defining you know, the framework. How does it differ from public relations? Well, impact relations, just like government. So if you think about the umbrella of communications, you've got government relations, investor relations, public relations, uh, and then we've got impact relations. And just as government relations is different from public relations in the sense that you've got um, lobbying and uh, public affairs and and so forth, Uh, impact relations is different from public relations in the sense that we do, we lead with uh, impact assessments and consulting. And when we do our communications and amplifying organization story, we make sure that it is with the intent to drive positive change. And then also, we're not just measuring the success of our campaigns by media metrics, we're we're measuring the impact of our work. So we're taking the insights from that assessment that we do at the start, and we're looking at how is this organization's story, initiative, and so forth, uh, changing, moving the scale, so to speak. So so that's when I say that it, it feels like more than an initiative and possibly a movement where we've taken it today, we've got an amazing board. So we have the head of PR for Ben and Jerry's, and he's looking after all of the brand marketing code of ethics and behavior for what what could impact relations look like with different organizations. Ben and Jerry's couldn't be a more perfect example of that. We're working with, uh, on our board, also the head of marketing for Kind Snacks, Kind Bars. They're also very one of the sustainable brands are very involved in driving change on the supply chain. Ben and Jerry's too, they do a lot of inclusive hiring with formerly incarcerated people and refugees. We've got the COO of sustainable brands. He's just a numbers genius and, and helps us realize how we can take this organization and, and hopefully maybe see it to the potential of what sustainable brands has turned into over the years. And, you know, it's the largest conference in the world that's dedicated to leading brands to a more sustainable future. We've got, you know, global CEOs that have joined communications agencies and Carol Cohn of the Purpose Collaborative is one of the senior advisors and she's also a mentor to mine. So we have a really great team behind it. We've got about 500 communicators who have pledged and a dozen or so agencies who have pledged to impact relations mandate and um and we're in about nine countries so so i say it feels like it's a movement now or as much as it's still a, a, a small community to some extent it's global in scope which is very exciting wow that's amazing melissa and it's you know such an initiative on your part and so much energy i'm sure you've put into the global impact relations network of course, your own company, Yulu, and the many other things I've read on this list, which is too long, would take too long to read about everything that you've achieved. <laughs> 30 yeah. under 30 for Marketing Magazine. Oh my gosh, this goes on and on. So, you know, one thing 
I know other people are wondering about how do you maintain your health and wellness? I like to ask this question a lot because I think people who are impact makers often are just go, go, go. How do you maintain your own health and wellness amongst all of this growth and your vision and you know the impact you seek to make as an individual and a professional? What do you do to take care of yourself? So I'm really lucky to live in a place where there's year-round recreational activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I sail. I race sailing a couple nights a week during the summer and then once a week in the winter. I do winter racing too. And that's an amazing just outlet. You get out on the water and um, you forget about everything except for the strategy of where your boat is tacking and what's the other boat doing. And it's, it's kind of like meditation with exercise. I ski. I feel like um, being so close to Whistler in the winter in Vancouver, especially, it's very rainy season. It's just like Seattle. It can get really dark and uh, it's light from about 9am to 4pm. It feels like we're in the Arctic sometimes. And then, and then it's dark so early. And so, yeah, it's just by February, you're starting to feel like you, you might be struggling with depression. Do you like, and it's so common and people start thinking, okay, do I, should I talk to somebody about this? And then in some cases, someone, of course, that may be the case, but in a lot of cases, it's just months and months of no sun. You start to, you start to feel really just down and, and not, you don't know what direction you're going in. And then if I go, if I have the privilege to go to Whistler, no, that's the other thing. It's like, like I'm very aware that sailing and skiing, well, I don't pay to sail. That's, that's lucky. The, the race committee, there's um, sometimes they're just looking for crew that are willing to bust their back to sail their boats. So that's, that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a free sport, but um, skiing is not, and I, I see it as privilege, but when you get above the clouds and you get into Whistler and you get above the clouds and you can catch some sunshine, that helps keep me uh, balanced. But other things that I do for mental health and balance, I'm looking at my screen right now. It's reminding me to take a 15 minute headspace. So I definitely rely on technology and set uh, reminders to do at least once a day, 15 minute meditation. Um, if I don't get a chance to do it, they always say for people who, who said that they don't have time to meditate, those are the people that need it the most. So if I don't have time to do it, Headspace has a whole sleep cast. So I, I feel like I can still get in my, my meditation and it helps me go to sleep. Um, and even if it's, you know, not the, the amount of meditation and mindful clearing that I, that I probably should get. There's something about um, banking those points of, okay, I did it. <laughs> I, can, I can feel a little bit better about that. And that, that does feel better. I think just knowing that you're making efforts. I do a cycle. I like to, I like to take bike rides. Again, summer sport. Um, Common theme of getting out into nature, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh man, we only have a couple minutes left here. I just, we could go on for hours. I have so many things I want to ask you about. We'll have to stay it for another show. But as we kind of wrap everything up, and again, thank you for sharing me with me and, and all our listeners, your journey, all about Yulu, and of course, about the Global Impact Relations Network that you have created and the impact you're making, not only in your industry, but for your industry. But if you could share with us, you know, the best wisdom you've ever received, what would that be? What would that look like? Okay, two parts. First, best wisdom I have for anybody listening is to get a strong mentor and don't just go with one mentor. 
try to find mentors that can help pump your tires in different areas, especially if you're a business owner, because you need your tires pumped. You need um, to one business mentor could help you figure out how to make responsible decisions for your business. The other business mentor can help you stay motivated to make those decisions. For mm-hmm. So that's, that's, but um, thinking back on something that one of my mentors, and that's why I wanted to caveat that one of my mentors um, told me, and this was actually fortunate. One of my first companies that I worked at in New York, you're paired with um, a mentor sort of buddy when you're uh, in your first year at the company. And I was telling her that I was feeling like it, was, it felt like hopscotch. I didn't know when to jump in on the call. The director that I was working with was so effective in going through the agenda, covering all items. And she was really good at her job. And I didn't want to interrupt that you know, cadence of perfection that she was doing to, to just have a word in the meeting. And my mentor buddy said, just shadow her. So just pretend you're Marissa. Talk like her. Talk fast. Use some of her phrases. Make it till you make it. And then over time, you will start to tweak it, make it your own. You won't become Marissa. You'll just, you'll just um, take the best from how she's effective in communicating. And then you'll slowly make it your own and you won't even notice. And one day you'll just be good at communicating with clients. And, and it happens so quickly with that advice. I, and I, yeah, that was just for anybody that we have new coming into the company. I do a, a bit of an orientation day with them. And I want to do it personally with them because I want them to understand you know, our social mandate and uh, why we have these um, beliefs and our values. And I want to make sure that they hear it from me. And then I also give them that advice. <laughs> um, oh, nice. Hang it forward. Yeah. It can be intimidating. Please don't feel that way. We've all been there. <laughs> we certainly have. That's for sure. Oh, this has been amazing. It's been a pleasure to get to know yourself and Yulu a little bit better. I always ask guests to share how you would describe yourself. And you had mentioned, described yourself as curious, collaborative, risk taker, communicator, and then something I've never heard before. You said aspirational. And to clarify what that is, because you're such a communicator, is aspirational equals always hungry to learn and grow and optimistic in my ability to make a difference. And if that does not embody passion for impact, I don't know what it is. So thank you for being aspirational and for all that you give to the world. Thank you for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing the show. This show is great. If you love learning how to live and lead in a conscious and fulfilling way, just like Melissa, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. It really helps. Thank you for listening. Remember, cast your vote make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote, make your impact one socially conscious choice at a time.